When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll. Thanks for tuning in to this Thursday episode, where I typically, up to this point, if you've been with me just this season, um, have a interview, but... I didn't do that this time. So you are now at mercy of listening to me. You're welcome. That's all I can really say, that you're welcome. Um, if you didn't know, if you're the first time viewer here or listener, as I should say, Monday we usually cover the Washington Capitals Week in Review, League News, all the things that we think are funny or important in the NHL and hockey beyond. And then on Thursday, it's either an interview or me pontificating, truly pontificating, honestly, about something that I find interesting or whatever. So without, well, first of all, so if you're an OG and you already knew that, love you, mean it, thanks, continue to come back. If you're new, I hope you like it. Maybe you'll learn something. You probably will because, uh, you know, I'm super smart and stuff. But let's pop some tabs and get into it. One, two, three. All right, Caps fans. So today, I want to talk about what the Capitals are possibly, what options they have during trade deadline. What does it really mean when Backstrom and Wilson return to the lineup? Because we've seen them for three games now. You know, they are what they are. Backstrom's got a point. Wilson's been a little, he's been, he's been uh, not gr- uh, great, honestly. I'm just going to say say it. Like, he's, St. Thomas has not been great in his three games of return. Now, he's had a major injury. ACL, bum knee, it's always tough. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's it, the the timing, the win, the physicality, the game speed, it's just not all there yet. I think that <laughs> Washington Capitals fans, we can give St. Thomas a break, at least more than a three-game break, uh, to figure his shit out, which I truly believe he will. Um, uh, he just needs to get that one, you know, he needs to get that one nice tap in G and 
from there, I think the floodgates will open. Uh, and I can't wait for it, honestly. But uh, as far as today's episode goes, you know, I really want to talk about because of those two injuries, the Washington Capitals have had to go out. Brian McClone has done a genius wizard-like job of getting Connor Brown. Remember that guy? Yeah. Dylan Strom, Sonny Milano, Charlie Lindgren, and Darcy Kemper. He had to replace the entire goaltending tandem along with Bolster, the the front end. He also brought in Gustafson, who has been incredibly good this season. After John Carlson has gone out, he's really picked up the slack uh, and really replaced him uh, effectively, at least for now. Now, is that a long-term solution? Probably not, but... The team that uh, McClellan's put together has been doing well, and when by when when they're all pulling on the same rope, the Washington Capitals are a formidable and good team. Uh, last week with Griffin Young's uh, "Tell It As Avs It Is" podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, he we talked about how good we thought the Washington Capitals looked at their peak. So we're really hoping that. That's not truly the peak. It's a false ceiling, if you will, and that the Caps with Backstrom and 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 Wilson back can shatter that ceiling. So, you know, without further ado, let's get into my segment, truly mine, the Hockey Troll Hip Check. This is the Hockey Troll Hip Check. Caps fans, first off, big shout out to Cap Friendly. They're providing all the numbers on this. Um, you know, usually back last season when I had Polly to bounce these things off, we each had our own little segment and it was cool. Uh, it was snack time. We call it Polly Cupcakes, which was very positive. And then me with the Hockey Troll Hip Check, which was somewhat negative. But uh, the goal with all of this is to really kind of like educate, but also talk hockey um, in the sense of what it means today. So hopefully you learned something. Um, if not, you know, you're just a fucking genius. I don't know what to say. So let's for just for this mental masturbation piece <laughs> that I'm about to dive into, let's assume the Washington Capitals are in win now mode and, you know, making taking draft picks as a return or a prospect in return that's not going to help them today and be an NHL player really isn't of much use right now and for this season. Um, now, there may be some planning going on and some moves that are for longevity here, but for the most part, as far as things that would actually affect this season, let's just talk about that. So, let's get into it. For context, the Washington Capitals have, right now, 90.8 million in cap. And there is 8.3 in LTR space, but LTR space, but really it's like more like five is total actual real cap space that we could use right now. Um, and there's more like 14 and change on LTIR. So just a quick rundown of LTIR. If a player goes on LTIR, you're allowed to use that space to bring other players in, you know, whether it be on waiver wire trade, whatever your cap space increases uh, a little bit based upon uh, the players that have gone out. So the contracts that le- that are on LTIR 
basically not for a one for one, but close to get added to your cap space or available cap space. This helps teams like the Caps who are in ambulance all season to put out a competitive roster. You know, they didn't deserve that. You know, injuries happen and these are kind of unavoidable in, in professional sports. So this happens and this is their, the NHL's fix to it for somebody who's out for a long term, you know, months. Uh, the LTIR, I believe, is 10 games in 24 days. So they have to be out 10 games and out 24 days for the uh, from the team. I mean, it's not practicing and things like that. So, you know, remember at one point, half of the cap ceiling of $82.5 million, which is which is what is every team gets that. It's the, it's the cap. Um was on the shelf for the Washington Capitals. So how LTIR is calculated in some big brain shit. So I'm not going to really cover that here. But if you want to look it up, it's definitely and take that college level math math course. You know, feel free. <laughs> but all that's really important is that like the cap ceiling gets heightened close to the amount of the contract that is on LTR when that player goes on LTR. But only for the team that has that injured players, duh, right? It doesn't it doesn't do anything to any other team. So this is a very only cap, only only Washington Capitals conversation. So in reality, right now there is a total of fourteen point three million on LTR for the Caps, as and that includes the Brown, Carlson, and Haglin contracts, as they're all on LTIR currently. Uh, but we get around that much cap relief, around that much cap relief. For them being on that list, meaning that right now with Backstrom, with Wilson, with all the whole team that we have, the 23 guys that we have that are playing right now, night in and night out, plus the, you know, um, the black aces, if you will, we technically have about 5 million in cap space today as of Sunday, according to Cap Friendly. Uh, and that's the 15th on Sunday. So keep in mind when a player, though, comes back from LTIR. All of that cap relief goes away, so the team has to make room for the lower cap ceiling and, of course, maintain an acceptable roster size of 23. One caveat, the cap hit doesn't count in playoffs at all, which means a player can come back in the playoffs and you could be infinity over the caps and it would be fine. You just have to adhere to the roster size restrictions. So technically, we could just waive or send Alexia back down and John Carlson could come back and we could basically be maintaining a 90 to 100 million cap <laughs> in the playoffs if that were the case. Now, if we look at um, John Carlson's injury, looked like his ear was actually sheared off his head during that uh, taking that slap shot to the face, which is just an incredibly brutal injury. Uh, there was a lot of blood. Luckily, though, John Carlson has been up, but obviously having, you know, the outer part of your ear and half of your face reattached to your head takes some time to heal. So, and then there's not even mentioning any concussion-like syndromes, which the team hasn't said anything like that. But, you know, if there is anything like that that they're keeping on the down low, that would be something that the Washington Capitals would have to deal with along with John Carlson. I hope that's not the case. And from everything that the team has indicated, that is not the case right now. <sighs> All right. So that's the LTIR explanation. I hope maybe you've learned something here. Or if you already knew it, you're just a fucking genius and you're ahead of the, ahead of the curve for sure. So, you know, kudos for you. Take a drink like I'm about to. Mm. But 
all this money talk has me thinking about DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg up you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. So <clears throat> let's take a look at the Washington Capitals roster right now. Let's group them into two groups, the untouchables and the tradable. And I really have a short, it's a short list for the untouchable. Ovi, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie, Wilson, and both tendies. I really don't think we're going to be making moves to the forward core, and both tendies are kind of there. Also, I'll add John Carlson. That's, that's a contract that we're not going to move because, honestly, I don't care what you say about John Carlson. $8 million for a number one, million, a number one uh, defenseman is a steal in any team uh, for, for the caliber that, and, and value that John Carlson adds defensively, but mostly offensively. Right. So I took JC off this list that he is on that untouchable list because he's on LTIR. Now trades can happen with LTIR and that's a, usually like a cap space finagling. Um, but very uncommon, very uncommon. But let's these these guys are the ones that I just listed are untouchable because of their contract cost and term because I don't think the Caps are willing to move them. So yeah, I mean think about it. Think about a world where the Washington Capitals are like, let's trade Ovi. It's not a world I want to live in. Tradable list. Everyone else, okay. Technically, everybody else is on the block. I think that that's a realistic opportunity, but. I'll talk about why some of them aren't so realistic. And to do that, you're going to need to understand that there's UFA status and restricted free agent status. So UFA and RFA. Unrestricted free agents, after the season ends, you know, they're out and they're ready to go. They can go do whatever they want. They can sign with the same team. They can test the test the market, see who's going to give them the biggest bag, and then and then sign with them. Remember, NHL contracts are all guaranteed. So you sign the contract, you make it through camp, you don't even play a single game, you're getting paid. Um, in this, you know, within this group of UFAs in 2023, we have this many on the forward list. Eller, Hathaway, Sheary, Johansson, um, uh, Nicholas Abe, Kubel, and Milano. And then on defense, we have everyone is a UFA except for Faviari and Alexiev. The RFAs uh, for the entire team, restricted free agents, are Strom, Alexiev, and Faviari. For those that don't know, an RFA is a restricted free agent, meaning that once their contract ends, the team owns their rights. In this case, the Caps get first shot at offering them their next contract. And that player is not 
allowed to talk to any other teams. No other teams are allowed to offer sheet them before a certain date, which is the following, which is following the draft on June 29th. So there's rules set up. The are like no other team can talk to him. The, the, uh, caps have their time to put a qualifying offer in for to an RFA through June 19th. This offer is called a qualifying offer. Obviously the RFA status has to do with age. Um, in certain cases, if you're too old or if you've played too many seasons in some weird situations, uh, RFA status is shed. But at this point, as it pertains to the Washington Capitals, it's usually guys, and, and, and honestly, at large, it's usually guys coming off an entry-level deal, so an entry-level contract. You still retain their rights. You bridge them. That's what it's called. Like You bridge entry-level contract DLM, and you retain their rights. So this is a team's opportunity to take their time, do the math, figure out what term and value of the contract they want to offer is for these RFAs up to June 29th which is well into the summer and well after the season ends for these mentioned players. They're all likely, which would be um, Strom, Alexiev and Ferriari. They're all likely looking at a raise. Usually if a team gives qualifying offer, it's for a raise, which is most times considerably higher than what they're making. Now having RFAs is a good thing for the, for the season that we're in. So like having these three players on, on RFA, honestly, I'd like more RFAs um, because we retain the rights. And at that point, you know, the team has all the leverage. So having RFAs is good and important to success. They're typically paid low, right? Unless you are a Connor McDavid or something like that. In which case you wouldn't be an RFA on your next contract bid because Players like McDavid come into the league. They play their entry level. You know, they play like a, you know, their their first contract, and then they get, uh, they get typically you, you play your entry level contract, which is like a couple years, one year, and then you get bridged a few years, and then you still retain your RFA status for the team that you're on. But for players who are studs like McDavid. He came in, tore it up first season. He had an injury or whatever, but then he just got extended for like the max at thirteen million a year, which is a very rare case. But that's like the positive side of drafting a player that is a stud. <laughs> in that case, so why does this all matter though? Like, what? Let's let me let me break this down to you as far as like what this actually means. So for the Caps, w- w- us having rights to a player buys you time. Like I said. After your draft picks have been made, you know what your team looks like somewhat in the next few years, or at least you have an idea of it. And then you can also trade for the rights of a player, even though they won't play another game with your team. So like for these RFAs, so for instance, the Alexia, Feviari, and Strom, after the season ends, you can the, the team can still sell their rights. And basically they, that gives the team leverage to even though you're they're never going to play we they've decided the team's never going to you know that player may never play another game for that squad if you want the rights to this player you can trade for them and cut everyone else out of the bidding process which means and when i say everybody else all other 31 teams in the nhl you can cut them out 
tender an offer for a team that bought your rights. And usually that player, I mean, it's usually pretty attractive and that player will take it. If that player opts out, it can go to arbitration, it can go to whatever, but ultimately the team can basically choose to keep you or not based upon money. Now, if a outside team wants to qualify you in some way with some crazy high offer, that can happen. Um, and you can steal players. Again, I think in the past five years, it's happened like twice, a couple times. Not very often. It's not very often that uh, another team gets to pulls the rug out of a out of a team that owns an RFA's contract. So sorry if this is getting a little discombobulated. I'm a little drunk, but at the same time, you can trade rights even after, which is like trading a player, even after the team the, the season ends. So past trade deadline and before January June 29th. Um, in essence, when negotiating an RFA deal, the teams involved have all the leverage over the player in these deals. Uh, they tend to the offers, and if you say no, they can still trade you for the value to the next team who's on the hook to qualify you for long term. So you can technically get pick, and typically what you'll see is you'll get picks back for selling the rights to a player after the season's ended. And then that player gets traded. And then immediately or closely after, tendered an offer of, of, you know, a few years or whatever it may be. So RFAs are attractive, just, not just to the team that owns the contract, but to others as well. So their trade, the trade value is high there. So this leads me to probably the hottest trade piece that we have. And I hate to say it, but it's Dylan Strom, ladies and gentlemen. Dylan Strom has had a is, is on his way to a career year. So on the business side, he's a player who's not ingrained in the Washington Capitals system, even though I want him to be, and I think that everybody wants him to be. He's a good player and a great center. But he's had a promising career so far and is on pace for a career with the Caps. He's young. He's 25. And teams are most likely eyeing him up pretty hard. I would say they are. Uh, he's not, you know, the Washington Capitals have a, a really good system when it comes to the human side of it having guys like the team is very easy in dc the fan base is awesome so shout out to you guys for making that happen but at the same time other other teams are definitely looking at dylan strom they when when a player like this falters who's a first round pick who's who's highly touted who showed Flashes of brilliance have put together 50-point seasons. And then they get they get cut or or traded. You know, eyes that perks people's eyes up because you know, maybe there's value. All the GMs in the league are probably looking for value. Can I can I buy low and sell high? Can I buy low and have them produce at a high level for us? That's the type of stuff that, that GMs are looking for, and this is exactly what has happened with Dylan Strom. So, you know, Dylan Strom is not making that much money. And we only signed him and bought his rights for one year. So I have to say, nobody wants to hear it, but Dylan Strom is probably our biggest, the Washington Capitol is right now biggest bargaining chip. Young, talented centerman in the NHL. Okay. But this is also true for a couple other players. Faviari and Alexiev have our, our RFA status, and they're both pretty promising young defensemen. 
good. Um, all of these players, Strom, Ferviari, Alexiev, could help a team go deep or be a building block for which to create a competitive team. Again, all young RFAs who have, who have shown year over year that they're NHL talent, aside from Alexiev, who is a bit of a gamble because he's only played a handful of games in the NHL, though he's highly touted. And if it weren't for the roadblock of getting into the Washington Capitals, he probably would be a starter or at least a, a mainstay on many NHL teams around the league. So that really just sounds bad as far as like what the Caps want to lose here. So let's look at like their second tier options. And I think this is where like a lot of people on Twitter get tied up and wrapped up in because these second tier options seem like, oh, well, you know, we're just going to trade this player and get a mountain of gold in return. You got to keep in mind that the trade market in the NHL is hyper competitive. The other team wants to get better as well. It's not like you just fleece. It's it's rare, in fact, that you fleece another team, a la the Predators with Philip Forsberg and Erat and Lada. But we won't we won't talk about that. So that would be. But you know, if you look at that, that that's so long ago. <laughs> Obviously, I would have loved to have Philip Forsberg now, but that's so long ago that it hasn't happened in a long time. Um, but but honestly, probably the worst move that in McPhee's entire career. And he's come out and said that. So, brutal. Anyways. <clears throat> um, so, like, talking about second-tier options that may return a player. Because remember, in this whole mental masturbation scenario, fantasy that I'm formulating for you, the Washington Capitals are win now. And they want NHLers in return. They want players in return. So we need we're looking for hockey trades here, basically, and that's that's what they would call that. Because we or unless we orchestrate a three or more team trade that has draft picks changing hands, so that the Washington Capitals can receive a player who's going to move the needle. I don't see a strong motivation for the Capitals to you know pay f- for the future or play for the future here through picks and retaining picks. Like there's no reason for us to have many first round draft picks next season um, because it's going to be years until those draft picks actually get injected into the lineup at the rate in which the wash at the, at the placement, which the Washington capitals do pick at, which is usually a playoff team. So, you know, there's 16 teams ahead of them. At least I think that the fourth line is safe too. I got to say they're a good line for us. They're, but they are still considered replacement level players a.k.a. easy players to replace in the lineup from the farm or from the trade wire. I'm counting Nicholas Abe Kubel because we haven't seen a lot of him. He's got two goals and you know in his limited time, and, and obviously he was a healthy scratch in, in Colorado for large stretches, and he's a healthy scratch for us. Uh, but, I'm, but I am counting on that, the fourth line, Dowd and Hathaway. So I think it's a low chance that those two or three get thrown into a trade for a one-for-one. But they could get get thrown in for a deal sweetener. So this really narrows down the bargaining chips, keeping in mind that a fourth liner may be thrown in to sweeten the deal for a multiplayer deal to consolidate the roster for the Washington Capitals. It leaves us with really like Eller, which I know is a hot button guy, Mantha, Mojo, Sheary and Milano on the blue line. Everyone is on the block except for John Carlson. So like all active players that you've been seeing recently. 
Now, let's just talk about Eller. This is a player that I think is much maligned, and honestly, probably 80% of that is undeserved uh, by Caps Nation. He could be traded, you know, for a low value, like a second or third pick at best, straight up. Um, Again, though, that doesn't really help the Caps today. He comes with like $3.5 million cap hit, which isn't bad for a third-line center. It's actually a really good deal for a player like Eller, I believe. Uh, Mantha, though, is on that same level. He's key accounts for a much bigger, like a 5.5, five, 5.9 five, five, uh, cap hit, uh, two. But an organization really has to buy into what, what Mantha offers. And out of late, it's not much. He's just scratched, um, which is, I don't think is a total um, indictment on his play. It's just more like trying to figure out what's going on with Nikki and Backstrom, or I mean with Backstrom and Wilson back in the lineup. So a team that is looking for Mantha really have to buy into what he offers. Uh, they really have to believe that he's going to be a long-term solution for a problem, kind of like how the Caps did by bringing him in. Mojo has shown to be, you know, you you want to talk about golden boys around Lars Eller and 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 other guys. Really, the golden boy here is Mojo. This is GMBM's, you know, McClellan's golden boy in a way, I believe, because he's lost. He lost him during the Vegas draft for a half-eaten ham, Sammy, and I don't think he's ever allowed himself, Brian McClellan, to heal from that fleecing. Uh, Marcus Johansson, after he left the Caps, became a journeyman. So the market appreciates Marcus Johansson's skill set and his play. The problem is that he just never fit because everyone knew that he deserved X amount of money and that may have been too much, right? So really kind of turned to a journeyman with, with you know, Jersey, Buffalo. I think there was another team set in there and then we got him back. And I think, I think McClellan has has set his, you know, has has made his bet on this one and is not going to budge from moving Marcus Johansson again. Um, but you know, and then you look at Shiri and Milano, who are both great players, but moving them for one for one would be like a difference in cha in in style. So example, we would move Milano or Shiri for a bigger power forward or a stay at home defenseman, right? So another wing, one for one, but your guy's bigger, maybe a veteran, whatever. I don't think that's the way to go. Uh, I really don't. I, I like Shiri. I like Milano. I think they're good contributors. I think they might be safe unless something crazy comes along. That's a super high value for the Washington Capitals today. On the blue line, I'd love to see Orlov and Jensen return. I think Ferviari would should also have a place in this team, barring crazy opportunity again. Oh, and an overvaluation on another team's part on any of these players. Everyone else, though, is is really on the block, able to be moved or re-signed low next season, hopefully. If the Caps go for a defenseman, there's several options available. So let's look at the options that are available. You know, you've got Jabin Chukrin of Zona, and Zona's always trying to wheel and deal. And then you've got Eric Carlson, who's having career year Honestly, he's had a real resurgence in his career with San Jose, who are kind of bottom dwellers in the West. I believe Carlson is out because he commands an $11.5 million cap hit, which could be worked around for the Caps this season. But we'd have to deal with that each year until 2027. 
So it's it's a uh, albatross contract, if you will, when we're talking about this type of stuff. So I doubt any team who needs flexibility, like the Washington Capitals, would be willing to give up and go that give up that much money and go for that route. Uh, Klingberg is also available, but he's a defensive liability, and we have enough offensive defensemen right now in Gustafson and John Carlson. If we believe that John Carlson is going to make his return this season or in the playoffs, um, I honestly believe that the if the capital Capitals are going to make a move on the blue line, it's most likely a bargain depth trade for a stay-at-home guy who's cheap and probably a veteran at the twilight of his career. Yeah, really not sexy when and what Caps Nation would love to see, but I think that that's the smart move, and 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 I think that. I don't think we improve in in either situation really. This is more of a depth play, trying to get a guy who is who you're comfortable with. Um, but let's get into like what's what's more interesting, and that is the front end, which is a place that the Caps need speed and finish. I think. I mean, it's really been our complex our our our, our strength when before Backstrom and Wilson left, we could hit them with speed. We could back check, but we could also have that creativity of settled play in the offensive zone, clean breakouts, tear you up through the neutral zone, make you look dumb, make you get on your heels into the offensive zone, and then run that five man weave and run that, you know, you know, dump and chase if you needed to, like all sorts of different available options to grind teams down, but also show that we have that that speed option. And that in controlled play, we can tear you up as well. So, you know, rumors are running around that Kane will be moved, but he's expensive at over $10 million a year. And Bo Horvat is probably the number one guy the teams are looking at right now, looking across the league. The problem, Horvat and Kane both play center in. If, if we, for the first time in the OV area, you know, or era, Sorry, first time in the OV era, we have an embarrassment of riches in that position. We are strong down the center. We've got Strom playing wing over Eller at center. So, like, that's a incredible place to be, Caps fans. So let's look at the positive side here. Not that, you know, you're just pissed off because Lars Eller made a turnover. As the other, as Kuznetsov does the same team ten times, right? Whatever. <clears throat> so, hold on, I need a drink. Mm. So let that sink in. We've got centers. We don't need centers. And to get a center, they'd have to be like Backstrom or Kuznetsov level for them to be an added bonus to us. <clears throat> so let's just negate the center conversation because I really we have an embarrassment of riches there. Let's look at wingers, which is really where I think the Washington Capitals could actually improve. You've got Timo Meyer, You've got Tarasenko. Pugliarvi. Anthony DeClaire. JVR. Brock Besser. Andrea Sanatiseo, Gustafson, or Gustav Nyquist, and Nick Ritchie. Okay, so those are all guys who have been teased as trade rumors. Personally, Besser, Declare, Meyer, AA, Nyquist stand out to me, both because they can add to our team and because they're relatively cheap. Honestly, I like a guy like Declare, who has a nose for the net. He's not he's he's a speedy guy. He makes the right play, but you know what he does best? is he goes into the hard areas, gets the hell beat out of him, and still bangs in pucks. 
a net front presence. I mean, think about it. Look at the Philly games that we've we have been losing, and it's because we can't penetrate the middle. We're too fancy. We don't have guys that are able to go in there and get beat up outside the fourth line. You know, maybe a little bit too much finesse and speed. You know, if we're not going to beat you on the outside going in, you know, and 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 open you up and discombobulate your defense. If it really comes down to the greasy, hardworking goals, the Washington Capitals have somewhat of a of a of a shallow chart in which that'll happen outside their fourth line. And the fourth line generally, you know, wouldn't be out as much. So if you're looking at more scoring, more wrinkles in which to add to make the the Washington Capitals a offensively dangerous team. I think a guy who can muck it up in the middle and who's not afraid to take cross check to the head while banging in a goal is is a valuable guy. Um so, you know, ultimately, I really don't think the Capitals need to bring any defensive help in as the roster stands today. Uh, if any move is made, I'd like to see us switch out wings. It's too early to tell, but Wilson has had a slow start. Let's be honest. Um, it would be next level fuckery to move a guy like St. Thomas, right? That would be some big brain shit. We better be returning a number one wing, like over Ovechkin or 1A, 1B to Ovechkin, which... I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, and plus, Wilson's touted as a guy who has been the next captain after Ovi. Like, I think he's pretty secure in, in D.C. But, you know, going back to the wingers, you know, you look at, at Besser and, and Meyer and some of them, you know, I, I really think uh, – Breaking on too expensive Besser, Meyer, and Nyquist are, are on that level. You know, they're they're over five a year. The others are around three. It would be a, a good switch out if we could unload a center for that. Because centers and and you know, again, we're trying to position Lars Eller to get out. And now honestly, this is what I was writing this about. How Lars Eller leaves. I don't believe that we need to move Lars Eller, but I do believe that. Dylan Strom is a better option now and into the future. And I would love to keep him. And I think that Sonny Milano also adds a little bit of jam in there because that's another winger spot in which we're, you know, have an embarrassment of riches in, in that certain case. So adding a winger is probably where the caps would, I believe get the best bang for their buck. Then again, we're out John Carlson. So that always has to like tug at a GM's heartstrings there and be at the back of his mind at all times. Your number one defenseman's on the shelf. Maybe they make a play for a number one defenseman. And then in that case, you know, maybe they do some crazy shit and make room for, you know, in a multiplayer trade for like a Carlson. A Carlson and a Carlson. Two Carlsons spelled differently on the same team. Imagine that. <laughs> Only in DC. Uh so again, ultimately I don't I really don't think that the Caps, you know, are going to bring in any defensive help. I've been proven wrong on that before, as the roster stands today. Uh and I think that if any move is made, I'd like to see us switch out a wing. It's too early to tell though. You know, it's really early. We've still got couple months to figure this all out um and if we're looking for a wing 
and where, you know, McClellan's floated that out, that really does make Eller an attractive p- trade bait piece. What's more attractive, though, is Strom or Milano. Uh, as they're on one term, one year deals and their UFAs, they need to be moved now and get rights and then offered something before next season uh, or into next season. So Eller, I believe, would have to be trade bait, would be trade bait if paired with a first, second, or like a fourth liner or a prospect. But I would still love to see Strom and Milano stay. So like if you lose Eller, you have to keep Strom. If you use if you lose Strom, you have to keep Eller, right? Um, I just don't see a center in the farm that's going to be able to pull weight like they do. Nuclear options, let's talk about that, would be moving like a Wilson or Oshie or Backstrom. But I'm not even going to talk about that today because we're already bring, bringing on like 40 minutes on this and you've, you've probably gotten sick of my fucking voice at this point. But those are, those are things that could happen. Um, again, highly unlikely. There's really only a few teams that would be able to handle that cap adjustment. And to be completely honest, all of those players are a little older. So those would have to be to, to, to teams that were win now. And most win now teams aren't making moves for like double digit million dollar players. So that's my take. To summarize, I hope that you have learned a little bit about, you know, RFA status, LTIR, what the cap situation is like for the Washington Capitals. And hey, you know what? I would not mind seeing Anthony DeClaire on the Washington Capitals team. He's a bargain player. He's a guy that we could probably get for picks and then waive some guys that may not make it or, you know, return somebody like a, you know, like a Shiri or or a Mantha shed some cap and give us room at any time we wanted to bring John Carlson back into the fold. Just a thought, just a thought. I don't know. I'm an idiot. I've just been drinking beers a lot, but caps fans, I really kind of hope that this is the first time I've done this season. I really hope that uh, you liked it because, you know, I put minimal effort into it. And for me, that's a lot. So I really hope that you understand where I'm going with this and maybe uh, enjoyed this kind of mental masturbation with me. I hope it was good for you. Anyways, check us out Monday, back to regular schedule. Until then, Hockey Troll, Capture Podcast, sign off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.